Hello, and welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we're booksmen. Hey, Tommy. Yes. It's week three of the seven habits of highly effective people. And guess what? Guess what? What? I'm way more effective than I've ever been in my life. Give some examples. I'm proactive. This is how proactive I'm being. Okay. Here's an example. This week I was supposed to read the third part. Yes. Uh, public victory. Yes. There are four parts to this. Yeah. And there's not a, a movie I have to watch at the end. No. So you better pay attention now if you want to get smart. <clears throat> uh, part one was paradigms and principles. Last week was private victory. This week is public victory. I I messed up, and guess what? I'm being proactive about this. Okay. Uh, the part four renewal is like twenty pages long. It's like way way shorter compared to the rest of the book. Yeah. Um, between that bad, bad pacing. Yeah, bad pacing. So I'm only gonna do habits four and five this week, and then we'll save six and seven for next week. Does that make sense? How does that make you proactive? I made this decision on the fly. Also, I got real sick, and I tried reading this book, but I had a fever, and it made no sense. So wait a minute. You're trying to tell me you're proactive by doing less work this week? Yeah. That, how does that make you proactive? Because I'm being honest. You're being, I, you told me, you're telling me this as we record. Yeah, I'm controlling the narrative here. Yeah, okay. I mean. I control my destiny. Yeah, you're being honest, but in a way that was going to come up like 20 minutes from now if you hadn't read the part. Yeah, sure. I mean, I tried to read the seventh, the sixth habit, Synergize, Ooh. Um, but it was so full of mumbo jumbo. I had 103 <laughs> fever. I was, I was sweating to death, and I was like, this makes no, there's too many terms. These words aren't words. Yeah. So Well, we've talked about that. This sounds like very Scientology. Yeah, and I think this book benefits from... Uh, you didn't have the book with you. Maybe you did, and I wasn't paying attention, but I'm looking at the book now. You have it with you, the uh-huh. physical book. It's bigger than I thought. What do you mean? It's like it's like longer. longer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, I thought maybe you were saying... It's like the size of one of those dictionaries at the <laughs> library. I thought maybe you thought it was like a, you were a trying coffee to coffee table. Yeah, book. exactly. Describing a coffee table. No, I mean it's like a standard. What is that? Probably an eight by eleven. No, what are you nuts? You think this is the size of a, a letter-sized sheet of paper? No, I guess not eight by eleven. That's probably a five by eight. Yeah, I would say that. All right, we're we're on the same <laughs> page. Mm, that's book a book talk. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, Number one, I'm being proactive. I'm telling you that. What's the second thing? I mean, there really wasn't like a way you could not be proactive. What do you mean? I don't think that that's I could. A- I could have and should have just pulled one over on you and been like, this week we're covering habits five and six or four and five. And you would have been like, cool. That must have been the plan all yeah, along. Yeah, but not lying to me doesn't mean being proactive. Yeah. Responsibility. Well, then it's that's your different than being... ability to respond. If you were responsible, you would have read all the the book you were supposed to, regardless of whether you were sick or not. Tom, 
I'm telling you there were limitations, and I'm acknowledging them, and we're going to move on. I don't see limitations. Habit two, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. I'm thinking about next week, hey, what are we going to do if next I only read the end. friggin' 20 minutes? Uh, if I only read 20 pages, mm-hmm. our episode's going to be like 10, 10 minutes long. So I'm beginning this episode with the end oh, of I see. next so episode. So next, in next mind. week's episode has a short chapter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, habit three: put first things first. I'm reading this all in order. <laughs> so I've applied all three of the habits we've discussed um, to be more effective in this week's episode. All these habits are dumb. What do you mean? Like, be proactive, put the first things first. It's just hot air. It's not even hot air. It's lukewarm air. What do you mean? I don't know. It's just like you could say anything, like, uh, uh, have some respect. Yeah. Why don't you write a book that sells 30 million copies? (laughs) Maybe I will. Have you written a book that sold 30 million copies? Not 30 million copies, but I've sold a decent amount of copies of my books. 20 million? (laughs) Yeah, about 20 million. (laughs) Oh, cool. Hey, well done. Thank you. Uh, yeah, don't doubt Stephen R. Covey. He uh, he had a lot of kids. That doesn't mean nothing. Now, people are upset about the Covey estate. Mm-hmm. I, are they bad? I looked up. I, I looked them up online. Yeah, I did too. Like all I could find is people criticizing this book as like a uh, like a gateway to Mormonism. Yeah. But most of those criticisms that I saw were from like other churches that were basically saying to their parishes like, hey, 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 uh, don't go reading this book and thinking uh, you're going to leave this church to go to this other Christian, uh, uh, this Christian faith to this other Christian faith. Man, these churches, they're really uh, in, in competition for souls. Huh? You're only saying that because you watch The Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> yeah, the HBO television yeah, show. Yeah, which is also kind of about that, yeah. about uh, parishioners. Well, yeah, but I'm also talking about- The race about, for parishioners. Hey, a uh, lot like the podcast race. The space race. It is a lot like the space race. Yeah. I am saying it because of that, but also... Have you seen this new... Uh, how excited are you for Apple TV Plus? Oh, my God. It's they, They've signed our greatest creative minds to make t- television shows just for me. They do have a show that I am excited. The only show, maybe... No, nah, there's a couple of shows I'm, I'm looking Fuck forward Masters. to. Fuck That's coming to Apple TV Plus? I thought that was the only thing that uh, that anybody was interested in. No. The television show Fuck Masters. <laughs> Which previously they weren't allowed to air anywhere. Yeah, but now they can. Um, no, but there's a show called uh, For All Mankind, and it is basically like an alternate history show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is that the Soviets beat us to the moon. Okay. And as such, the space race never ended. Oh. So instead of like us beating the Soviets to the moon, and then shortly thereafter being like, meh, yeah. I guess we'll just kind of stop doing this stuff. It's like the Soviets did, and we were like, no, fuck this. We're going to Venus. <laughs> okay. So it's it going to be like cool. uh, alien babes and stuff? No, no alien babes. Like, realistic, no. but it just like... Well, who cares? What if... Oh, realistic. Like, like, looking at how quickly we <laughs> went from going to space to going to the moon because we were in competition, mm. what if... 
that competition not only kept up, but like got hotter. And it was just like, we're going to do this next. We're going to do this instead of just like almost immediately getting bored and just stopping. Yeah. Well, I love. And now at this point where they're like, oh, you know, your microwave has more computing power than the computer that took us to the moon. Oh, and also we don't know how to get back to the moon anymore. (laughs) We know how to get back to the moon, right? Maybe me and you know, but they don't know the (laughs) eggheads. How long do you think it would take them to figure out how to get back to the moon? (laughs) Or not figure out. If If there was an emergency, it's like, Oh shit! We gotta get this thing from the moon. We forgot something up there. <laughs> ASAP, right? Uh, Buzz Aldrin. He left his keys up there. Yeah, but he died, right? Uh, no, Buzz is still alive. Neil Armstrong died, and I think Buzz Aldrin died. No, like, very recently. Really? Con- Listen, condescending wrong guy. Is Buzz Aldrin alive? Buzz Aldrin was born January twentieth. 1930 and is 89 years old. He's alive. Was it just his birthday? Yeah, it might have just been his birthday. I mean, that was back in January. I'm pretty sure Buzz Aldrin died. <laughs> Tim, I think you're thinking of like a, uh, maybe you've got a, uh, uh, a Mandela effect going on here. No, Buzz Aldrin's alive and well. I mean, maybe not that well. He's 89. No, I think he's like pretty well. He's like... He was on oh, Dancing was, with the Stars. It was the goddamn anniversary of the of the Apollo mission. <laughs> right, that's, that's, not okay. that a man died. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, congratulations to still living Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Okay, so let's say Buzz Aldrin is on his deathbed, and he's like, "Oh no, I made a pact with the Moon Men." Uh, and well, come on, I wouldn't put a lot of faith into <laughs> so a anyway, dying man's back with the moon men. And we got to get back up there before I die. I was pulling one over on them, but as soon as I die, they'll, uh, they'll, <laughs> they have the, uh, the, I don't know. We had to get something from the moon men, right? And yeah, I think I'd just be like, yeah, up the morphine. NASA's like, oh shit, we had to get him. Oh shit, and, he's right. We verified it. <laughs> and this happens on January first. Okay. At what point? Uh, at what? What's the date that we land on the moon? It, it would be years still. Really? Yeah. You don't think we could get something up and running in six months? No, absolutely not. Why not? We, we you just, just build can. the same thing that you built last time. I don't. They, they have the thro- schematics and everything. No, I don't think they do. They threw them all out. What? Yeah. That's short-sighted as hell. You're telling me. No, there is like, they didn't throw out the schematics, but there is, because it is like one of the conspiracy theories about the moon landing being fake, that there is like a bunch of stuff missing. Uh, I think it's missing probably just because they were like, like, yeah, boy, we can't even believe that this shit worked. Like, we're not going to go through the effort of, like, saving this because surely we're going to keep working on this and we're going to come up with way better stuff. So we don't, don't need this I don't, stuff. I don't buy this at all. Yeah, because it's all, like, put on uh, tapes and stuff. And tapes take up a lot of room. Mm, I don't believe this. The thing is, though, like, the the thing that moon landing conspiracies conspiracists point to that they're like, well, if we went to the moon, then how can we we stop going? How can we never went back really after you know like a few more because Apollo it missions? Sucked up there. That's essentially it. There are three things. It sucked up there. There was nothing to do. No no restaurants. No places to shop. 
uh, just a bunch of rocks. And to be honest, all the rocks look no the same. No places to shop. What were the astronauts, the astronauts' wives supposed to do while they were up there? No, they had to wait at home and fret. <laughs> um, but they would. There was nothing really up there to to look at. I mean, not even to look at. Like even to study. It's a dead fucking rock. You know they. <laughs> What? I'm just reflecting on how much we've been talking about astronauts. I think the first episode of uh, this Seven Habits, we talked about astronauts for a good 15 minutes as well, about how they left shit on the moon. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, there's a good reason why we wouldn't want to go back. Yeah. Because then the whole time they're going to have to pretend like they don't see that huge bag of shit. Yeah. And and have to take it with him. Maybe Buzz Aldrin swallowed his gold tooth by accident, <laughs> and he needs it back, and it's in the shit that le- they left on the moon. <laughs> well, they're not going to man a new moon mission. They'll make him a new gold He's tooth. He's an American hero. Yeah, they'll they'll make him a new gold tooth. They probably wouldn't even do that. Yeah. They all had uh, cyanide with them, too, right? No, they didn't have cyanide with them. <laughs> Why not? Why would they have cyanide with if them? If things went wrong. To, to just instantly kill themselves? No. They would have just slowly died. It would have been fine. It was You have cyanide when you're afraid that you're going to get captured and tortured for information. Tom, look it up. That the astronauts had cyanide? <laughs> yeah. The astronauts didn't have cyanide. They uh, might have had God, cyanide for I like some it? kind of experiments or something. Oh, hold on. Think you about t- what that would have done to the American psyche if it was like, well, the first moon landing didn't go well. The three astronauts killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they, we wouldn't know. Uh, ahem, ahem. Do astronauts carry suicide pills? From realclearscience.com. Uh, this is a big long article. Just say yes or no. <laughs> Though no NASA astronaut has ever taken a suicide pill into space, the same could not be said for their Russian cosmonauts. Oh, colleagues. sure. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure most Russians have suicide pills all the time. Alexei Leonov, Leonov. It's pronounced lawless. <laughs> uh, the first man to conduct a spacewalk took one with him on a s- historical 12-minute stroll on March 18, 1965, just in case he was unable to return to the spacecraft. And his colleague, Pavel Belyayev, was forced to leave him adrift in orbit. Jeez, that's some dark shit. Attach another rope just in case. So like, well, I'm going to go do a spacewalk. Let me uh, take a suicide pill unless uh, just in case I'm left drifting in the darkness of space. I mean, that's a legit danger when you're doing a space when you're doing the first ever spacewalk. Yeah. And you don't know if if you can't get back, you're just going to sit there and like starve to death. No, you'll suffocate. You're not going to starve to death. Death. Well, it's gonna take a month for you to die. <laughs> you don't really understand what's necessary for life. I don't. I mean, I do. Food and water. Yeah, he probably would have suffocated within like a half hour. It all would right. have been an all right way to go. Well, why don't you suffocate? <laughs> he could have instead of opening instead of taking a suicide pill, he could have just opened up the visor. That's true. Maybe well, the visor was glued shut. Take the helmet shut. off. Glued shut. <laughs> they get him out of there. What? 
The visor? You just don't put the visor up. No, take the helmet off, though. They're okay. not going to glue the yeah. helmet on. Well, you said put the visor up. I said yeah. you probably can't put the visor up. Yeah, but not because they glued it shut. <laughs> how, do you, how do you affix the visor to the helmet? It's not glued shut. It's like welded on or something. You weld the glass, Tom? Yeah. You weld plastic? You weld the metal onto the... Like, you can't lift up the visor. You can lift up the sun visor, but then there's a visor underneath. That one you can't lift up regardless. Yeah. And it's I'm not glued shut. Probably some industrial glue holding it. <laughs> use glue in space. Why not? It's going to get cold. So how do you affix plastic to things? I don't think it's plastic. I think those things are glass. It's like so. Some how do you affix like glass to something? You fit it very tight, very properly. It's very. Uh, and you don't seal it with anything like you a glue. Seal it with so- rubber. Oh my god! You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> rubber cement. So uh, before uh, we wouldn't be able to get up to the moon real quick, though. That's my. Oh, I, oh! So I was gonna say the three, condescending dumb guy says. Listen, this is why. So the rule number, the reason number one, we haven't been back to him. It's boring. Reason number two. You say this shit every week. I know it's so expensive. I you make this point. Reason number three is very dangerous. All right, don't you think we can get some of the danger out of it? The With all of our knowledge and technology, it, well, there's more. There's throw... more power in our microwave than you know. Like yeah. we we've made a lot of technological advances in the last forty years. Yeah, but it's still like even if we make it like a hundred times fifty years, fifty years. Yeah, even if we make it like a hundred times safer, though, it's still going to be like cool. Now it's very safe. It, a, it's going to cost even more money to make it safer. You send Muskie up there, Elon Musk. He'll be like, hey, I'd love to do this. Well, that's what he's trying to do to Mars. And that's why I think NASA's kind of like, yeah, hey, you want to you know, get some Tesla owners and send them to Mars and mm-hmm. it's on you if they die? That's fine. I think it's, they can make it safer, but it's going to be very expensive. And then a, still at the end of the day, it's going to be like, cool. And there's dust up there. So you've started out with dependence in life, Tom. Yeah. And a lot of us haven't gotten far past that stage where, you know, you're not doing anything for Sucking yourself. at the teat. Sucking at the teat of one thing or another. Mostly ladies. <laughs> <laughs> some people cows. Some people drink milk straight from the cow's udders. Farm kids. <laughs> uh and then you have the first three habits, which encompass private victory. Yeah. And the that's... first one is it's boring up there. <laughs> the second one is very expensive. The third is dangerous. Once you've achieved, once you've integrated these three habits into your into your life, you will achieve independence. Okay. That's where I'm at. So <laughs> <laughs> you're independent now. Yeah. Uh, not like you. Still sucking at the teat of the welfare state. <laughs> right. Oh, so this book is about uh, how poor people are bad. Right. And it's their fault. Yeah, and they deserve to be poor forever. Independence, you're like, great. That's all there is to achieve, right? Yeah. Uh, I can do it. Wrong, asshole. 
There's three public uh, victory habits. Yeah, to get other people dependent on you so then you can boss them around. Interdependence. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, but it's more of the if if other independent people come uh-huh. together, you can achieve more strategically pooling your resources. A well-regulated militia. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so before he gets into these, he has this other chapter. There's a lot of filler chapters in this book, Tom. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a very big book. This should be seven chapters, yeah. and it's somehow not. Uh, the emotional bank account, Tom. This is in the paradigms of interdependence. So this is introducing you to interdependence before you get into it. Uh, the emotional bank account, do you know what that is, Tom? Uh, the emotional bank accounts where you go, you can you can write, you can deposit some feelings, maybe withdraw some feelings. Is it about withdrawing, <laughs> withdrawing from society? Uh, it's it, Tom. We all know withdrawing what a, your emotions. We all know what a financial bank account is. We make deposits into it. Well, that's it. being presumptuous. I don't know what a financial bank account is. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, Stephen Covey is showing his privilege here that yeah. everybody knows what a bank Maybe account is. Maybe you should check his privilege. We all know what a financial bank account is. We make deposits into it and build up reserve from which we can make withdrawals when we need to. Yeah. An emotional bank account is a metaphor, Tom, mm. that describes the amount of trust that's been built up in a relationship. It's the feeling of safeness you have with another human being. So, Tom. So, like, when you need money from somebody, you can go to them and say, hey, you trust me, right? Pretty much. <laughs> um, but it, it's more like, look, you and I, we have a longstanding friendship. Yeah. I will occasionally need to ask you to do things for me. Right. Um, or... I'll do something that... And the the things you ask me to do, they might sound confusing at the time. (laughs) But trust me, it'll all make sense. It might not make a lot of sense (laughs) in the moment. You make deposits into an emotional bank account with courtesy, kindness, honesty, and keeping commitments. Like holding the door for somebody. Yeah, or just... uh, That's why I'm always holding the door for you, Tim. Just hoping that it builds up enough that uh, if one day I ever need you to like help me bury a body, remember those thousands of times I held the door for you? Yeah, I think the way it works, you're not supposed to bring it up as a as a transactional thing. Desperate times call for desperate measures, Tim. (sighs) I didn't kill my wife. I didn't kill my wife, but help me bury her. I don't care. So basically he goes on for pages and pages just saying like people will trust you if you do nice things and treat them well. Yeah. This whole book is basically like, hey, you know why you should be a good person? Because you might be able to get something out of these people. It's like you? when uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's uh, Joker was saying, uh, I'm out here giving out, giving out free money. And where's Batman? At home, washing his tights. Yeah. You know, he's like, look, I'm giving I'm you making free depo- money. I'm making literal deposits into the emotional and financial bank accounts. Yeah, he's so you should the trust me. Clear. And he was playing that Prince song that went, trust, 
You know what's an underrated song on that soundtrack? What? Um, I've seen the future and. What part of the movie is it from? I don't remember. I I got really into the, the <laughs> Batman, Batman soundtrack. Yeah. Recently, I haven't seen the movie Batman in ages. The only good Prince songs... I'm still mad that there aren't enough Batman movies. <laughs> only good... Well, Robert Pattinson's going to be fixing that up for you. The only good Prince songs... Or not the only good... Like, it's a pretty good soundtrack, but like uh, the Prince songs that exist in the world of the movie. And I like the idea that this 80s Gotham, like everybody's blasting Prince all the time. Yeah. Good guys, bad guys, just the soundtrack of the summer in Gotham City. (laughs) Was it the summer? Mm, I think it's nondescript. I think it's like fall. I mean, Batman Returns is Christmas time. Very clearly Christmas time. That's a, that's a, hey, how come nobody does the, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Instead of saying Die Hard, they say Batman uh, Batman Returns. Returns. I bet that came up in the memes last last Christmas. It is a good Christmas movie. I mean, it's not like, it's a winter movie. Uh, Christmas happens, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. Max Shrek. There are six major kinds of deposits you can make into the emotional bank account. Number one is understanding the individual. Mm, I so, get like, it. I look, understand. Tim, that's me making a deposit. Oh wow! It makes me feel good. Man, I'll I'll kill for you, Tom. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to ask you to kill. If it comes to it, I'll kill for you. I'm going to ask you to help me bury somebody one day, though. Um, And this, Tom, here's the thing. You think you can be doing nice things. You could be like, oh, I'm building uh, this girl's emotional bank account. Uh, Mm. I'm going to give her flowers every time I see her. Guess what? She doesn't even want flowers because her her, uh, grandfather was shot down uh, by a florist. What? <laughs> so flowers just upset her. A florist in cold blood just shot down her grandfather. He was just there to pick up flowers for his He wife. did it in the shop? Yeah. Well, that's not good for business. It's not. He went to jail. But this girl, Tom, she's still- But it doesn't matter. Still... I mean, that's not going to get her grandpa back. Yeah, so she's all upset. And every time you give her flowers, you're like, I'm doing a great thing. You're traumatizing her. I think she, so would you probably, don't understand she would probably her. bring that up at some point, though, if we had like a decent relationship. Blaming the victim, huh? <laughs> uh, the other thing, attending to the little things, Tom. Uh-huh. You have to be aware that- like, Take it's, care it's, of it's, mice. It's not just grand gestures. Sometimes it's uh, you can hold the door for someone once in a while, maybe, Tom. That's what I do. All right. Keeping commitments. Uh-huh. Clarifying expectations. Yeah. Which basically- uh, Saying, I'm not, I might not be there. I might not show up. <laughs> I want to clarify your expectations. Showing personal integrity. That's kind of the same as the... Bragging. Yeah. And then uh, apologizing <laughs> sincerely when you make a withdrawal. So if you call me up and you're just like, I need you to uh, help me bury a body. I'm you really just be like, sorry about this. I really wish I didn't have to do this right now. Yeah. To be uh, honest, if I could have avoided it. this, that would be best for all. But this guy was running his mouth. Yeah. Well, and I needed to send a message. Um, yeah. 
It is more noble to give yourself completely to one individual than to labor diligently for the salvation of the masses. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, the the past Secretary General of the United Nations said that, and this man quoted well, him. Well, I don't want, uh, especially a Secretary of uh, the UN saying that. They're supposed to be looking after the whole world. <laughs> yeah, he was bad at it, I think. Yeah, who was it? Uh, some German guy, I think. Yeah, he's probably like, and that's why I Dag like... Hammerskull. Oh, maybe uh, some... Hammerskull? <laughs> that sounds like a bad person. They shouldn't have... I think he's probably from the Nordics, actually. Yeah. It's got uh, the O with the Oolap- two dots over Oolaps. it. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Oolats. let's get into Oolats. habit number four. Okay. Think win-win. Now, I think in 1989 when this book came out, he coined it. Yeah, I think nobody was saying win-win. Yeah, they were all saying win-lose. Yeah. Or draw. Remember that show? Yeah, it just sucked. I know, but it was... It seemed like it should be more fun, and it just kind of yeah, sucked. but it was on during the day yeah. on TV. Um, it was like a Pictionary ripoff. Mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds was always on it, I think. Yeah. Burt Reynolds was on like a lot of talk shows. Did I tell you about... I mean, maybe no. I did. I definitely didn't tell you about this. I got this ad the other day on Instagram. This is like the best, the best targeted ad for something I was intensely interested in, but had like no means to pursue or whatever. No was, money. Well, not enough money for this, certainly, but also like not a real need for it. But it was an event company. <coughs> Like a company that puts on events in New York and, you know, is basically like an ad like, hey, have us put on your event. But the advertisement was that they were showing off that they had built for a client uh, a life-size Hollywood Squares uh, Oh, my God. Set. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, if I had an event that required something like this or that I could even finagle it in. Holy moly, I'd, I'd hire you guys in a Tom, second. Tom, we have yet to do a 10th anniversary Complete Guide to Everything live show. Yeah. Maybe we make it Hollywood Squares. I think Here's it was the probably twist. like $50,000. We're in all the squares. No, people would pay a fortune to see this stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like perfect targeting of like, Maybe they were like people who are interested in Hollywood Squares. <laughs> I'd like to go to this event. Right, but like they needed to narrow their like people who were in charge of putting on like multi thousand dollar events. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I clicked uh, on the ad. They probably... Are you a CEO that wants Alf to come and motivate your employees? <laughs> like, no, I'm not a CEO and I don't have an employ- any employees, but. Holy shit, I'd love to meet Alf. Yeah, but I'm going to click on this ad and it's going to cost you like a buck for me <laughs> yeah. to look at this and go, whoa, cool. Alf, he's alive. <laughs> nah, to be clear, he Tim, they didn't even bring they didn't bring any celebrities with them. I bet, though, if this seems like the kind of company that like they, they could make things happen. That If you were like, I saw that ad, I like it, give me nine celebrities, they would also get. And I'd be like, and not influencers, celebrities. Yeah. They can be washed up. In fact, I'd prefer it, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, influencers now with their tight bodies. <laughs> All right. Tom, there's, uh, six paradigms of human interaction. There's the win win. That's mm-hmm. the one that you always want to be thinking. Have it for us. Think win win. Right. There's win lose. 
Mm-hmm. It's where there's a winner and a <laughs> loser. There's lose win. Oh my goodness. There's lose lose. Yeah. There's win. All right. And there's win win or no deal where you agree to go in and be like, hey, if we don't find a win win solution here, let's just walk away and find another way to interact in the future. I think that would be the probably the optimal. That that would probably be how you'd want to go into it. Yeah, you'd want to go into that that way, but ideally your relationships in some aspects of your life would be so strong. Um and like win win or no deal doesn't work with your spouse when you're talking about how to raise your kids. Right. It's not like, well, no all right, you do what you want to do and I do what I want to do. I'm going to go get a pack of cigarettes. I'll be, right, I'll be back. right back. <laughs> stump, 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 stump. Well, unfortunately, that was a win-win or no deal. <laughs> so wait, then what makes something lose as opposed to lose-lose? No, the win okay. as opposed to, there's no lose. Okay, but there's a win as opposed to win-win. Yeah, win is just one person wins. But the other person doesn't lose? Yeah, it's not like so a zero-sum. Like the, the if the other person dies during yeah. the transaction or something? Another common alternative is simply think win. People with the win mentality don't necessarily want someone else to lose. That's irrelevant. What matters is they get what they want. Ah, okay, that's how I live my life. Yeah, so w- it, win is better than win-lose where it's like, Everything zero sum, and even if I come out on top, oh, I, I want this fucking person to suffer. Right. Lose win is like a like a put upon like uh, I guess whatever I need to do to get it done for you, I'll just sacrifice everything. Oh, I see. Well, like uh, making yourself a uh, 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 walking mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why a doormat. Doormat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. A walking mat. Um, Tom, he tells a little bit of a story here. Okay. <laughs> Tell me if this sounds a little weird at some point. I got to show you this uh, Mormon handshake video, by the way. Oh, yeah. I still want to know about this. I have a friend whose family has been involved in singing together for several years. When they were young... Is this, is this the Partridge family and like read between the lines? I don't think so. When they were young, she arranged the music, made the costumes. Oh, it's probably the Osmonds. Accompanied them on the piano and directed the performances. Okay. As the children grew older, their taste in music began to change, and they wanted to have more say in what they performed and what they wore. They became less responsive to direction. Mm. Because she had years of experience in performing herself, and felt closer to the needs of the older people at the rest homes where they planned to perform, (laughs) she didn't feel that many of the ideas they were suggesting would be appropriate. These old people aren't going to like grunge. Yeah, but can you... Look, I don't want to disparage any... Like, look, I got nothing against anybody who's Mormon, but if you're Mormon and you're raising your kids, dressing them up to go sing at rest homes... The old people probably like it. The old people like it? What's it going to do to the children? Yeah. She set up a win-win slash or or no deal. She told them she wanted to arrive at an agreement that everyone felt good about or they would simply find other ways to enjoy their talents. Uh, 
is he they don't resolve it. I imagine the kids were just like, stop dressing us up and making us sing for old yeah. people. I remember when I was like a very little kid, I met my great grandmother before she died. Mm. And I don't know if she was like in a nursing home or a hospital, but uh, like I only remember one interaction with her. And she gave me uh, like it was like a little uh, like karate guy doll. Yeah. I actually liked the doll a lot. <laughs> But like as a kid, I was like, so like, you know, what's this guy a part of? Is he like, uh, is he like He Man? <laughs> she's like ninety six, and she's like, the... I mean, she was literally on her deathbed. Yeah, and I like remember, uh, like, you know, I think it was like after she died, me asking my mom about it. And I was like, oh, I guess like she can't tell us now <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what, what part? Because as a kid, I was just all about like I wanted. A bunch of you know figures from the same universe or whatever right and i had this one guy that i kind of liked because he had like real hair and like a fabric karate outfit but like he he wasn't the same size as anything else so it's like well i mean like how you should have I, standardized yeah toy like sizes. i want to get like a you know like a, a an army guy that yeah. he can fight or so i got nobody this guy can fight yeah well, your great grandmother should have thought of that. I remember meeting of when I was very young, a very old, I think, of that generation, like an aunt or uncle or yeah. something. Um, again, likely on her deathbed. And I just remember thinking, like, she moves like a puppet. <laughs> but would you like, like, if I'm very old and on my deathbed, and they bring like you know a, a three-year-old, yeah. yeah, and they're like, you move like a puppet, I've. <laughs> <laughs> just die in front of them. <laughs> I remember she said uh, she ate tomatoes, and I left. <laughs> I remember being three and just being like, I know tomatoes. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> Keep it cool, Tim. <laughs> uh, Tom, there's another uh, weird situation that came up in here. Uh, I'm not sure. You have to tell me if this is a... Uh, a phrase that you know. <laughs> okay. I did some consulting for another company that wanted training for their people in human relations. The underlying assumption was the problem was the people. The president said, go into any store you want and see how they treat you. Mm-hmm. They're just order takers. They don't understand how to close the customers, how to get close to the customers. Right. They don't know the product and they don't have the knowledge and the skill in the scale in the sales process necessary to create a marriage between the product and the need mm-hmm. so i went to the various stores and he was right but that still didn't answer the question in my mind what caused this attitude look we're on top of the problem the president said we have department heads out there setting a great example we've told them their job is two-thirds selling and one-third management and they're outselling everybody. We just want you to provide some training for the salespeople, right? So the salespeople are unmotivated. Yeah, the managers—they don't are know the spoken. product. Uh, these words raised a red flag. Let's get some more data. I said, he didn't like that. He knew what the problem was, and he wanted to get on with training. But I persisted, and within two days, we uncovered the real problem. Okay. This is the real problem, Tom, because I still don't understand what the real problem is. <laughs> Because of the job definition and the compensation system, the managers were, quote, creaming. 
they'd stand behind the cash register. <laughs> and oh, they've got a big problem. They'd stand behind the cash register and cream on the business oh, during the slow come times. Come on. <laughs> half the time in retail is slow and the other half is frantic. So the managers would give all the dirty jobs, inventory, control, stock work, and cleaning to the salespeople. And they would stand behind the registers and cream. That's why the department heads were tops in sales. Damn out. I don't like you reading this book. Yeah. Creaming. So does it basically mean uh, they were they were stealing all the sales yeah. from the salespeople. Whenever whenever there were customers there and the managers would be like, Hey, go take inventory. I'll take yeah. care of the customers. Oh, well hello there. That's called creaming. <laughs> Yeah, who knew? I don't know. I worked in sales for a little bit. I <laughs> never heard uh, anything approaching creaming. Yeah. Well, and especially if that was like, did they point out if it was commission based? Um, I don't. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He said yeah. the compensation system. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, I was more concerned that they were calling it creaming. That they'd stand behind the register and cream. Yeah, I just feel like you boys change go, you, up the vocabulary. You're using a slang term. Yeah, you boys go in the back and count inventory. I'm gonna stand up here and cream. All <laughs> right. He's like, they. He even said, "I feel like he's asking for it because he says, uh, <laughs> he's asking to be creamed." <laughs> no, no. He said, "So the managers would give all the dirty jobs." Yeah. To the salespeople, and they would stand behind the registers and cream. That sounds like the dirty job. <laughs> Creaming on the register? Yeah, or he's washing them do the dirty jobs, <laughs> and he's creaming. Ah, he's getting all hot and bothered. Yeah, he's got the closed circuit uh, video feed up. All right, so that was Habit 4, Think Win-Win. Uh, I don't, you know what I didn't like about this part of the book? It turns into a business book instead yeah, of like a was, personal. That's what I was going to say. This sounds very like I don't give a shit about like sales tactics or whatever. Yeah, um, and then this one, uh, this next one, uh, Habit Five is actually good, but he spends again like forty pages. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm. Um, you can get it all from that, right? Yeah. Uh, if yeah, you, know the situation before you're trying to explain yourself to something. Yeah, and uh, you understand somebody else's needs right. before you want them to understand your needs because right. that will make you more empathetic. It's all about empathy, and I think this is a good one. Uh, but it, there is no stories about creaming in this chapter, so I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, read between the lines. Uh, and 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 this relates back to the emotional bank account because. Mm. Uh, if you don't understand somebody's needs, you think you're making deposits, but in reality, her you're grandfather creamy. was shot dead by a, a florist, and you're just standing by the register. Is that a real story creamy. that he? Or did you make that up? I just made that oh, up okay. for you. <laughs> so I was gonna say that's a weird, <laughs> weird thing to keep coming. I don't back know. I kind of skimmed this one chapter. I was, I was, I was feverish. So it sounds, I, like, it sounds like you were the one standing behind the counter creaming. Yeah, I was creaming all day, man. Uh, select a relationship in which you sense the emotional bank account is in the red. Okay. You think me and you, Tom? Deep in the red. Try to understand and write down the situation from the other person's point of view. All right. I've done it. Okay. In your next interaction, that's now, listen for <laughs> understanding, 
comparing what you are hearing with what you wrote down. How, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with our friendship, Tom. Yeah, we'll you save that know. for next week. Killed my ex-wife and you wanted me to bury her. I didn't kill her. She slipped. Uh, the next time, <laughs> this is this is one of the application suggestions. The next time you have an opportunity to watch people communicate. All right. Like on TV? Mm, I think in, in, <laughs> in the real world. Cover your ears and just watch. What emotions are being communicated that may not come across in words alone? Mm. So just go out and watch people plug your ears and uh, try to learn from uh, non-verbal hey, That's easy cues. in New York. Everybody talks with their hands. Yeah. The, yeah oh, that guy was walking there. <laughs> He's telling the cab driver that he was walking yeah, there. Yeah, his need is that he wanted to walk there, or that he was walking there. Yeah. And the cab driver's need, which... The man needs to understand is that the cab driver wanted to drive there. Yeah, and that's and, what you can learn on a New York City street corner. Hey, I'm trying to remember. I saw some uh, only in New York thing today, but I can't remember what it was. Some guy creaming behind the cash register. No, although the other morning I was walking the dog and uh, uh, somebody was shoplifting from the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Do you cheer people on when you see them shoplifting? No. <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, get them. No, so I was outside. I didn't <laughs> see this happen. And uh, uh, I will say, uh, especially after somewhat recently seeing shopli- Shoplifter confronted uh, outside a guitar center, which I think I talked about on the podcast, yeah. where like the guard like <laughs> slapped this guy so hard. Um it, you know, and then another guard came out with just like a piece of metal. <laughs> uh, that in this guys take their job seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I saw a guy outside. I don't know the whole story, but there was a guy sitting outside Guitar Center today, like a well dressed guy, well dressed. He was wearing like a tuxedo, <laughs> but a suit. Yeah, <laughs> but he had a uh, like a uh, you know he was panhandling. Mm-hmm. But he just had like a cardboard sign that said, I need $190 to buy a guitar. Hmm. Being honest. I guess, but it's just like, well, I'm going to buy a guitar? Because that guitar is his ticket to fame and fortune, Tom. <sighs> yeah, get in line behind every, behind me. <laughs> Still trying to make it. Yeah, I'd like to buy a guitar, and it's a race for one of us <laughs> to buy a guitar because we're both equally talented. Um. But, I mean, I'm just specifically in that area of the city, like, there's, you know, a decent amount of panhandlers, and, like, they're all, like, you know, seem on pretty hard time. So yeah. it was just this stood out. And, like, so many people, it's like, I need $3 to, like, get home. Yeah. Or I need $2 to, like, eat something today. Yeah. And I need $190 There for are some guitar. people that will be like, hey. I believe him that he's going to buy, he's well-dressed, he'll buy the guitar, he won't be spe- spending it on booze or drugs. Yeah, here's $190. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you saw someone shoplifting from the supermarket. Oh, I saw somebody shoplifting from the supermarket, and uh, uh, so the, the the employees, I thought, did a very good job of like not uh, touching her, you know, not mm-hmm. not being physical at all. 
but eventually like a few more employees came out and like one of them saw an opportunity to like reach in her bag. Mm -hmm. They were trying to stop her by like just standing in front of her and she was yelling at him and stuff. And uh, one of the guys like reached in the bag and like grabbed. Uh, she was stealing just like a bunch of hot food from the supermarket because uh. um, they have like ready made stuff. Mm -hmm. She took this uh breakfast platter out of she was calling them racist things but then she took a breakfast platter she took this breakfast platter and threw it into his face oh, like no. so hard this breakfast platter exploded like i've never it was a direct shot <coughs> and then i'm walking my dog and i got Tell my, uh, I'm trying to be like, no, nah, you can't eat that. I know if there's bacon all over the <laughs> bacon and sausage all over the sidewalk, but you can't eat this. Why did I bring this up? Oh, only in New York. Only in New York. And then she told the man after she said a bunch of racist things about him again that she would be back later to slit his throat and kill him. Oh, cool. <laughs> I wonder if she came back. I don't know. I mean... This guy, the guy she did to, he worked in the butcher shop. So, like, boy, he's, you know, don't. He's adept with a knife. Exactly. You don't want to get into a knife guy with the guy in the in the butcher shop. Yeah. He's got access to cleavers. Yeah. He's got, like, a, a slicer. He'll slice your fingers. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, he'll need a extension cable maybe to bring the slicer <laughs> out there. But <laughs> Most of them are battery operated now. Really? No. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that's that a power. <laughs> that doesn't seem necessary. <laughs> 35D batteries. <laughs> oh, I would think a rechargeable battery, but still a pretty sizable rechargeable battery. <laughs> All right. Well, uh <laughs> that's it. Look, Tom, I'm not going to say uh this is the best book I've ever read. You were the one who was real big on I want to read a self-help book. I was really big on this book until it kind of became a business book. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it'll all we'll pull it all together. Uh, next week, the the habits are... Uh, Maybe he's just trying to set expectations. Yeah. Uh, next and maybe he put first things first <laughs> and all the garbage in the end of the book. <laughs> I think so. Next week is Habit 6 Synergize, which I think he was the first person Synergize. Oh, he came and up with... I think I, I, think I, so. I read that, yeah. And then, win, win, and Synergize. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, there's, a, there's a reason this book is successful. Yeah. And Habit 7 is Sharpen the Saw, which can be helpful uh, if you ever are <laughs> yeah. shoplifting. So uh, it, one in the win column for Synergize, one in the win column for Win-Win, one in the loose column for Creaming. His, his definition of Creaming it. didn't catch on. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think we can we can do our best now 30 years later. Yeah. I'm going to start uh, uh, the next time I go into a store. I'm going to say, you work here or are you just creaming back there? <laughs> Let me know how that works out. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for uh, being a patron, and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Let's go, go.